Hello, and welcome to Husband and Wife Time, a podcast celebrating Lifetime movies. I'm Matt Caproletti. And I'm Elizabeth Blickle. And we're here today to talk about a long-awaited fifth installment in the Stalk by My Doctor series, Just What the Doctor Ordered. They have dropped the Stalked by My Doctor, and I'm wondering if it's because we switched writers, and I think we switched directors and producers as well, right? It's not Stalked by My Doctor, colon, Just What the Doctor Ordered, it's just what the doctor. Ordered. I think one of the producers is, has been the whole way through. But okay. Yeah, but he's definitely switched directors. Okay. I would have liked that continuity. Yeah. But I would have liked a lot of things. Yeah. So. <laughs> Should we scrub in? <laughs> we might as well. Okay. In just what the doctor ordered, Doctor Beck escapes Abernathy State Mental Hospital and squats in the attic of an abandoned house or unoccupied house. Maggie and her daughter Alex buy the home and move in. Dr. Beck falls for Alex, who is a teenager. Yeah. (laughs) That's in keeping with the previous (laughs) ones. Who has an undiagnosed heart condition. Right. Dr. Beck works through a series of potential heart donors for Alex. Now, if you heard me say that in a strange way, it's because I don't think you can call someone a donor if you plan to kill them and steal their organ. Yeah. (laughs) But but I'm not sure what the term for that is. So, um, Victim, I guess, is the only thing I can think of. But he works through a series of victims with compatible hearts. And we will have thoughts on all of that. But we're not going to do point by point on this one either because... It would be tiresome. And and there, it would, you would just be hearing us saying a lot of, this is where this should have gone. They should have cut this um not to make this sound too much like an episode of beach too sandy water too wet but (laughs) i wanted to love this movie but dot 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 and you'll hear all the thoughts i have on it. it it was great to revisit eric roberts and his character um I mean, this only came out, what, in April? In April. So we were super jazzed to see the promo pop up. And we'd heard a rumbling on, I think it was Eric Roberts' Twitter or Instagram months ago. Right. There was some photo or tweet he did, posted, I'm so check savvy, that hinted that this movie was coming. And Matt and I were over the moon. I mean, (laughs) truly, truly over the moon. You know, I'm not a watcher of many franchises, but it's my understanding from people who are very into Star Wars or what have you, that each, each franchise has ups and downs. Was this as good as the first... Or as 
a sleepwalker's nightmare? (laughs) In my opinion, no. But there's so much to talk about anyways. Yeah. So what struck you? I think for me, um, you know, we have several elements that have been consistent throughout the series. Mm -hmm. We have the object of Dr. Beck's gaze. The teenage, early 20s young woman. Yes. And uh, that young woman has a boyfriend. Yes. Um, And it seems like at this point, or at least in this installment, we're kind of making a copy of a copy. Um, Okay, I hear you on that. Because the boyfriend, Scott, I'm sure that... You know he's done the best he can in this film. Brandon Tyler, actor. Yeah, Brandon Tyler Moore is his name. Um, but it just didn't have the same zest as uh, as previous installments. Agreed. Even even the Sleepwalkers Nightmare, which was real fun. Um, I think what so for me, I didn't have an issue with any of the acting performances. I just wanted more. Mm -hmm. Everyone was dialed to like a six. And I want it cranked. This one goes to 11. I want it cranked all the way up Mm -hmm. for a stalked by my doctor. Because it's supposed to be silly and over the top. Yeah. And just truly weird, unexpected things. I mean... We're genuinely surprised often during these movies. There was a song and dance number. There was a sex scene with toiletries. (laughs) That is what I want. And so that also carries over, I think, into acting performances. Mm -hmm. But some of that has to do with script. If you're just given a pretty normal script where your behavior is normal, it, it would be odd to play it to like bring your girlfriend homework and be like on 11. Yeah, that's true. You raise a good point there. I think it's a mixture of two things. Mm-hmm. I think they could have dialed it up actors. I didn't I mean think, to be so hard on Brandon Tyler. Moore. I don't I don't think it's being hard. I think he could have dialed it up. I think he could have I think the script for sure could have dialed it up. I I wanted the script I want the franchise to become increasingly more unexpected last time we were given a sleepwalker's nightmare i wanted something that would top that yeah um what i will say about the boyfriend is he is very overconfident in his abilities to serve his girlfriend post now we never get into the to the medical stuff but i think she has a heart attack or a heart episode And then she's at home convalescing, waiting for her heart transplant through legitimate means. Dr. Beck is also working illegal means behind the scenes. Yeah, she's a pacemaker installed as a result of that episode. And then she's going to get a transplant heart. Hopefully she's on the list. Yeah. But while she's convalescing and her boyfriend brings her her homework and they're hanging out in her room... He seems overconfident in his abilities to nurse this 
quite ill girlfriend, he says to her home health aide, who happens to be Dr. Beck, <laughs> that's how he moves from squatting in the attic to down, down in the rest of the house, <laughs> is that he uh, pretends to be a home health aide named Chris. He kills Chris and then assumes her identity, <laughs> to be clear. He doesn't just, like, make up someone. Yeah. Um, but Scott says... Trust me, bro. I can get her anything she needs. <laughs> and my reaction was, there's nothing like the overconfidence of a mediocre white man. <laughs> Just super confident at 17 that he could handle any cardiac episodes that might arise. Why would you bother going to medical school? He's got this. Overconfident at 17? Overconfident <laughs> at 17, indeed. <laughs> Yeah, no. Based uh, on a true story. That was. Based on a true story's. That was nice. I mean, it also was, I guess, in counterpoint to Dr. Beck as Chris, the home, uh, the nurse, bringing her, bringing Alex <laughs> one of his patented uh, wicker basket trays of tea and biscuits that I guess are part of her heart health regimen. <laughs> yes. I believe he says, I make a mean chamomile. And just, I don't know. It was kind of fun to see him be uh, so over-the-top hospitality-wise yes. uh, with his, his home health aiding. He's a very nurturing, unwanted lover. Yes. <laughs> um, the thing that's interesting that I just thought of while you were talking about that is that he's always using a wicker tray. Wicker trays are not ideal for carrying liquids. Like, one wrong step on the stairs. Ooh, that's a lifetime title. The wrong step. Um, one wrong step on the stairs, and you've got tea sloshing through wicker onto the floor. You want a tray, I mean, plastic, something that doesn't have holes in it. Wicker has uh-huh. holes in it for yeah. the fluids. to, And then if she eats off the tray, she's crumbing those biscuits all over her bed. That is true. That's true. And I mean, to your point, you've got scalding hot chamomile all over the place. Yes. Um, I will say this in Scott, her boyfriend's defense. He does, of all the boyfriends throughout this series, seem to show the most willingness to sacrifice himself for her. For sure. In the fact that he says, if anything ever happens to me, I want you to have my heart. We're the same blood type. They have, so she has, that's the twist is that she has a very rare blood type. And so that's why Dr. Beck has to work through this series of very specific people. I mean, where he's finding a list of people's blood types is confusing to me, but When we talk about missed opportunities, yes, I thought that was very generous. Although um, in no way do I think hospitals would let a 17-year-old who's healthy just give his heart and die. I I don't think that's how organ transplantation works Mm -hmm. unless you're in like a Dr. Beck facility. Yes. (laughs) But... When I talk about this movie, there were a series of missed opportunities, including the fact that this girl has a rare blood type, which is why Dr. Beck has to work through this series of potential donors. And I thought for sure, I was like, oh, it's going to be her mom. He's going to end up, because don't children 
Doesn't your blood type have to be that of one of your two parents? Uh, I think so, but I'm not an expert on this. At I all. thought it was like yeah. you had to have mm-hmm. one of the two, and then I thought that's how stories happen, where like kids find out when they are like 18 and having medical tests done that the person they thought was their mom or well not usually mom but their dad (laughs) is not the person yeah or that they're adopted and they didn't know they were adopted i thought that it had something to do with blood types oh that makes sense i could be wrong i mean i paid so little attention in high school science that but i thought that was like something in biology Mm -hmm. but i thought for sure that it was going to be we're working through this series of donors he never finds a good one and for sure it's going to be her mom He's going to, the last scene is going to be him strapping both mom and daughter. They're both in the same house. It seems like the natural one we're working to. Yeah. And it didn't happen. The mom never came up as even a thought. He never checked the mom's blood type. That seemed very weird to me. That's true. She was completely passed over while he then goes through, what, that psychiatrist. and uh, And the cop. Yes. Mm Mm-hmm. And, and especially considering in previous movies, Dr. Beck is quite eager to get rid of the mothers to pursue the relationship. I mean, right. it's, it really is like classic Lolita to, to get rid of the mother to pursue the daughter right. more mm-hmm. heavily. So it was surprising that he didn't like consider her at all. Yeah. Anyways, that was just one of the missed opportunities I saw. Okay. Uh, I think one of the other things that I want to get into, and I know you do too, Mm -hmm. is the presence of the CPR dummy. Yes. We must. We must. We must. Which we happen upon when he kills the actual nurse Chris, and the medical dummy is in her home. Let's pause a beat. Just right there. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You said four, sen- four, four words, and I want to pause. <laughs> Do you think nurses just have CPR dummies sitting in their living room furniture? Um, I mean, not necessarily. She tried to ward off burglars or something. But, but, but I'm sure that in within our family network of. We could find out. Yes. <laughs> okay, sorry. So go go into the home. Yeah, no, just the, the, nurse. the, the fact. I, I think we could have done more with the dummy. Yes. I was thinking maybe a song and dance reprise. <laughs> Although I guess it does offer the opportunity for him to be... He's eating dinner, right? With across from the dummy or something like that. Or sitting across from the dummy and imagines that it's Alex. Yes, he does. Um, I think they're trying to make the CPR dummy this movie's Margarita Vilbeck mm -hmm. or um, Nikki Bismar. Mm, Yes. And Nikki Bismar wasn't funny. No, it was not. He, he didn't, I didn't think Nikki Bismar was the, the best. Not an effective device. Addition, but I do think it served a purpose. Mm-hmm. It was angel on your shoulder, quote unquote angel, yeah. devil on the other. It made sense. Yeah. It was 
productive, I guess, is what I would say. Sure. This one, I think they were trying to recreate some of the silliness that you would have with Margaritaville Beck. Mm -hmm. Like, Eric Roberts, when he first figures out that it's a dummy, says a line along the lines of, You scared me, you dummy! Yeah. (laughs) And he brings everything he has to that line. But we could have done more. Yeah. We could have done more. All of this, which is not to say that Eric Roberts... I mean, he still brings the requisite brilliance that you expect of him as Albert Beck to the role and the film. Now, imagine this movie without Eric Roberts. We would never talk about it. No. We wouldn't... By the way, we would not have watched it. Matt and I have a rule with Lifetime movies. It's the 10-minute rule. Mm -hmm. If within the first 10 minutes we are not interested, we never watch it. Yeah. And we just started a movie yesterday that we subjected to the 10-minute rule. And at the end of it, we turned to each other and we were like, we've got to do an episode about this one. Yeah. We We were like excited. But if at the end of 10 minutes, if we're both lukewarm or bored, we turn it off. Without Eric Roberts, I do not think this would have passed the 10 minute rule. No, likely not. I just don't think so. I, so, but that's a lot to put on one actor. Mm-hmm. And, and they didn't give him enough. I wanted to see monologues. I wanted to see more hallucinations. Mm. I wanted more silliness. I wanted more comedic lines. There is that date scene with the detective. Okay, we have to get in. Yes, we have to get into that date. We have to get into that cop. So he sets up a perspective, a date with a prospective donor through an online dating site. Clever way to find people. How he knows her blood type. I didn't realize eHarmony had you list your blood type. But that's irrelevant. That's in the second verse of those eHarmony commercials with Natalie Cole's song and Dr. Neil Clark Warren. Was he the founder? For those of you who are looking for someone very specific, you want type O positive and nothing else will do. That's my blood type. Well, that's why I chose you. <laughs> not, not off the internet. I, I could just sense when I met you. You had that... Type O positive energy to you. <laughs> Ask me what my blood type is. I have no clue. <laughs> Anyways, so he makes this date with a potential donor, Gail Matthews. And we learn at the end of the date that Gail Matthews is a detective. Yeah. The date itself is wild, but not in a good way. Um... Gail, when she asks what he does for a living, he says he's in the medical profession. And then he follows up and says, he's, she says, oh, you're a doctor. And he says, no, I'm a nurse. And she makes a comment about how rare male nurses are. Which is both not true and so backwards, especially yeah. considering she's a cop. And many people feel that way incorrectly about female cops. Mm -hmm. So you would think she would be more understanding like, oh, people's outside perception of like how many people of my gender are in my profession is wrong. Right. 
that's wrong too. And by the way, when I say wrong, I mean like wrong and damaging, playing into gender stereotypes that are toxic. Yeah. But this woman on the date belches after a shot. She's doing shots. And then says to Dr. Beck something to the effect of, let's cut through the foreplay. My place or yours. Yeah. But what's weird is for is that for this, she's presented as a disgusting pig. Mm-hmm. I don't object to people taking shots on dates. I don't, but I also don't have a great tolerance for alcohol. I, but I don't have a problem with it. Do it if you want to. And I don't think... It's uncommon for people to use dating sites to arrange casual sex. Yeah. And I don't think women should be portrayed negatively for having casual sex. Right. Particularly on a network that is television for women. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, let's not villainize women for embracing their sexuality. It felt very sex negative to me. Yeah. My biggest pro- wait. So, did you have something to say about the detective? Because you brought up the detective, and I essentially hijacked this. No, I mean, I think that I agree with what you're saying. The way in which they get into the scene where it's revealed that she has a pair of handcuffs, and it's oh, those are her, her professional handcuffs. She's a detective, and. You know, I thought that they could have done more with the character of the detective in the film, ultimately. I could not agree more. And I think they could have done more and differently. Yeah. I cannot stress enough that I wanted them to do things differently because, like, throughout the movie, she's portrayed as, like, completely clueless. Like, there's one moment where she's driving in her car and... She didn't know Beck was driving in front of her, but Beck had been driving in front of her. Beck turns into an abandoned hospital, which is where he's planning to do the heart transplant. Yeah. But it's abandoned. Very clear it's abandoned. Mm -hmm. The detective sees a car turn into an abandoned hospital and does not even register it. She's not like, huh, I wonder if something odd is happening that I should maybe look into. I'm not saying she should have like seen the car turn into the hospital and been like, someone's planning to do an illegal heart transplant. (laughs) But I'm saying if a hospital is closed down, then who has a good reason to be there? There seem like a lot of bad reasons Mm -hmm. to be at an abandoned building and some neutral, like... (laughs) You know, like so some, maybe you just want to hang out with some old medical supplies. Well, or like a homeless person might move in. Yes, of course. But she sees a person turn into a place they sh- that no one should be. Yeah, and is just like meh, whatever. And then <laughs> she finally, at the end of the movie, remembers seeing him at this abandoned building. So I guess she did actually see that it was Beck. But I don't love that she's portrayed as clueless throughout this thing. And then just to like get into the ending, she he gets her gun away from her so easily. Yeah. And she dies and she ends up being the heart transplant, legitimate heart 
that goes to Alex. But so she she can't put two and two together throughout the movie. And then he gets her gun away from her very quickly. And then also I had trouble squaring how odd she was on the date, like belching and saying inappropriate things with a profession as serious as being a detective. Like I, maybe that's a stereotype I have. I don't know any detect, literally not one detective. But for me, I guess I wouldn't assume that someone who's a detective would be so like, they, they present her as weird. Like not the yes. sex thing, not the shots thing. She says a lot of other very odd things during this brief scene. And so it's hard for me to square a profession that serious and how she behaved throughout their encounter, even in his home when she thought that they were going to like be having sex and he thought he was going to be taking her heart. She was continued acting bizarrely to my mind. And it was just hard to square that character, like the weird person we were presented on the date and then a very serious profession, but maybe you're supposed to square it because she's bad at her job. I don't know. You know, while you were rambling, <laughs> while, you, while you were talking, I came up with a. <laughs> that's our love story. <laughs> that, that's our rom com title. It's not while you were sleeping. It's while you were rambling. <laughs> no, you gave me an interesting thought. What if instead of her being killed at the end? And having the heart that was given to Alex, what if she, I don't know if there will be a stock six, but there better be presuming there is, it could be Dr. Beck's foil. Oh, she comes back to haunt him. Like she's, she's his inspector Javert. Um, And I I just made me wonder what that might be. I mean, look that like and what cool. that might be like for him to have someone who has been consistently hunting for him because throughout the first five movies of this series we haven't really had no, any no one cares <laughs> there have been so many murders at his hands and and just like so much and he's notorious but there's no no one cares, no yeah. consistent antagonist with the exception of sophie green mm-hmm. coming back for patient's revenge mm-hmm yeah, I don't think they're going to bring her back again. No. But, but I do like the idea of him feeling haunted and hunted, if you will. Um, should we get into the high school party? Let's. We love a high school party. Okay. On screen. <laughs> yeah. We, <laughs> we're very clear about that. I didn't even go to parties in high school. Um so Alex turns off her, the monitor, like the device that monitors her pacemaker and sneaks out of the house with her boyfriend. Because the pacemaker has a GPS, right? Or it's, so she doesn't turn that off. App. She can't turn the app off. Oh, that's right. She turns the actual monitor that sits next to her bed that goes yes. beep, beep, or whatever. Um... And she sneaks out with her boyfriend. Her boyfriend doesn't stop her, which 
so so ready to give her a heart, but not ready to encourage her to avoid this high school party where she'll be doing strenuous things like dancing, and she has just had surgery and is weak. I mean... And she's drinking as well, right? Probably. I, I don't remember, but the assumption for me is with all the teen parties they are. There may have been a, a hard seltzer in there. <laughs> um... So the mom finds out because Beck tips her off that Alex has left and that she's at this party. And the mom comes to the party. It's just your classic high school party with a fire going in the pizza oven. Yeah. You know, kids standing around dancing and drinking and a fire going. Oh, yeah. That outdoor pizza oven looked great. But it was being used for a fire and not to make pizza, which... Real disappointing. I'm always disappointed. Again, we get back to like envy and our, our gluttony. <laughs> yeah. I'm always disappointed with some when something should be used for pizza and is being, <laughs> being used for another means. <laughs> but the mom comes into the party and she's mad at the kids because they let Alex come. Yeah. And she yells at all of them. She says something like, have you no shame or something like what's your problem like screaming at these kids and only one girl talked to them the entire time they were there and she talked to her with the level of familiarity i have with my mailman i actually think i have more familiarity with my mailman we exchange recipes that's right (laughs) but she, she says like Hey, Alex, good to see you up and about. And then kind of like wanders off and they never speak to anyone again. I don't think these people are close enough to her to be like, hey, sweetie, like this party's not even that cool. You'll catch the next one when you've had your heart transplant. You should go home. It did look like there was a DJ though. (laughs) What the DJ is supposed to tell her? (laughs) Next up. Alex exiting the party because she has a pacemaker and needs a new heart. Wicka wicka. <laughs> no, I could compose a several song playlist for this DJ. Um, I think uh, maybe listen to your heart, uh, piece of my heart, and then closing time by Semi Sonic. Yes, he should have played closing time. Matt likes that song a lot. <laughs> Because one time when I <laughs> we were dating and I needed to work do work for school, <laughs> I played that song on my laptop <laughs> to announce to him it was time to get out of my house. It was pretty great. It was not intended in a mean spirited way, and he was he knew he had to leave soon anyways. It was more just I was putting a period on the end of the sentence. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I felt like the mom was a little hard on them. But the party, for me, was also an example. um, And I felt this way about the neighbor who she went over to see if his nest cam caught anything about who called the police when Alex had her heart episode. Oh, right, yes. Which never came to anything. Another missed opportunity. She had like a two sentence conversation with the neighbor. And I thought we were being introduced to the neighbor. Like this neighbor is going to play a role in the movie. There might be more interactions, but all the characters except for Beck, Alex and Maggie were so small. I, and I, I'm wondering if it was because of COVID 
but the world felt very unpopulated. Did you have that feeling too? It felt very empty. Okay. And like isolated. Mm -hmm. And I don't think it was deliberate, like to make it seem like these people had no one to turn to or, or something like that. It just felt like there weren't a lot of human interactions aside from the three primaries. And it, it just, yeah, the world felt very small. And I wondered, did the neighbor not have a recurring part because of COVID? Like the four main characters are the mom, the daughter, the boyfriend, and Dr. Beck. Yeah. Maybe with everyone else, they only were like allowing them a very limited time to film. Yeah, maybe the shoot days were condensed into a certain amount of time. Because this was filmed during COVID. Yeah. And I, I, I felt a little bit like you could tell that. Okay. It just felt empty to me. I was missing, for example, for Alex, mm-hmm. I was missing a best friend. We're right. almost all, even if there's a boyfriend, we're almost always given a best friend. Mm-hmm. Even like Sophie had a best friend in the first movie oh, yes. and her best friend didn't have a huge part, but occasionally there were scenes between her and Sophie mm-hmm. and I, I, yeah, I just, it felt like empty a okay. little bit. I don't know. I don't know what you can do about that, but <laughs> what do you want to talk about now? I think those were all the elements of the film. Um, okay. I was thinking about. I trust you have some other thoughts. I'm just going to get into a list of things. These are in no particular order and, and, and unrelated. They're just a list of things that I have to say and you, <laughs> you get to listen to them. <laughs> I really thought that at some point someone would say, but Chris is a woman. Because when Dr. Beck assumes the identity of Chris the home health aid nurse. Chris McCoy. Chris is a woman. The real McCoy. (laughs) Dr. Beck is a man. And I thought at some point that would be like the dun, dun, dun. But Chris is a woman. Mm -hmm. That did not happen. Thought that was a real missed opportunity. Um, (laughs) Dr. Beck escaped from a state mental hospital that was on fire but he seems to have an awful lot of clothes at the ready (laughs) he has jeans and a t-shirt khakis and a collared shirt where did he have the cash to buy these things if he bought them were they just in the attic of this house that he was I, i don't that i didn't understand but on the subject of clothes the outfit the daughter is wearing like the second time we see her is something girls would have worn when I was 16. She is wearing Daisy Dukes, denim Daisy Dukes, a longer tank top, you know, that layering look, but she doesn't have, she just has the one long tank top, and a cropped tied collared shirt tied right under her chest area. That's how people dressed when I was 16. That is not a look I'm seeing now on young people. She dresses kind of like Alex did in Fatal Flip. And Alex in Fatal Flip, I think, was wearing that cropped... Oh, Dominique Swain. Yeah, collared shirt to make her look younger, as we discussed at length with Augie and Elena. That's right. But this one, we don't need to make her look younger. She Mm -hmm. looks young. Yeah. So for me, I was like, why are we watching all these movies 
where they don't dress young people how young people dress this decade. What I said to Matt was, what I would do if I was trying to dress a youth, I would buy a white sweatshirt, a, a, you know, I'd buy a men's XXL and I'd tie dye it and have her wear it as a dress. I feel like I've seen a young person wear that in the last five years. <laughs> I don't know if they're still wearing that, but in the last five years, let's say, and t- I've tie dyed things before. If I can do it, I'm sure a costume designer can. Or put her in those light-colored, unflattering jeans that I'm seeing youths in. Ah, uh, yes. But, like, why are we dressing her like she's a young person in, like, 2002? <laughs> she's not. It's. I mean, I, I was young a long time ago. If I'm looking at it and being like, oh, yes, that's what young people dressed like, you've done it wrong. And it's not expensive to tie-dye things. I think a bottle writ is a really common brand of dye. I think you can buy a bottle of RIT for like $3 and you could buy a sweatshirt that's like men's XXL and make her wear it as a dress for like $10. It doesn't have to be like brand name. And that to me would read as more authentic. None of this matters at all. (laughs) (laughs) But at least you've voiced that and it's been said and, and now we know. And just a random throwaway thing that I wanted to mention to Matt. So the boyfriend, Scott, asks Dr. Beck if he's seeing anyone. Dr. Beck says he is someone very important. And the boyfriend, Scott, asks what her name is. And Dr. Beck responds in Spanish. Do you know what he says? I don't remember. So I Googled. What he says, translated, is kiss my ass. Really? (laughs) Yeah. Nice little nugget there. I mean, I don't know why it matters to me, but it did. So those were just all of my throwaway lines. Why don't we get into the ending and then just our general reaction? Sure. So the detective ends up giving her her heart because she's dead. Beck does the surgery because the other surgeon who is an actual surgeon at the hospital was bound and unconscious in the bathroom. I found it a little implausible that the nurses wouldn't know the surgeons. Yeah. And then at the end, after the heart has been transplanted, he leaves, which is weird because you usually can't shake him. But Margarita Vilbeck comes back Mm -hmm. and Dr. Beck, the actual person, is hitching and a semi-truck driver agrees to drive him and... He says, where are you going? And Beck says the cliched, anywhere but here. And I thought the best thing about watching just what the doctor ordered was that they left it open for another sequel, which they will hopefully get right. They cannot end with this whimper. And the second best thing was that I was eating sriracha spice Thai rice chips while we watched it. (laughs) Good. I mean, yeah. What was your general reaction? I mean, I'm glad that they set it up to continue the series to yeah. have Dr. Beck one day live again mm-hmm. and to, to, to love again or try to love again. Maybe an age-appropriate woman, maybe one who's twisted, as we've previously suggested, maybe a body swap. We've yeah. given you ideas, folks. 
So that's it. That was your only thought. Yeah, I think so. Okay. Well, I, of course, had a deluge of thoughts. (laughs) In terms of medicine, we received the placebo. And I really, really needed the medication. I didn't need the sugar pill. I needed a full-strength dose of a Campbellian monologue (laughs) as delivered by Eric Roberts. My reaction to just what the doctor ordered was similar to how I felt about season four and seasons four and five of Arrested Development, where I was like, eh, okay. I like I missed it something was off and I missed the original. The movie felt so even. Dr. Beck didn't throw many fits. There were fewer hallucinations or daydreams. The ones that he did have were boring, like slicing the throat of the boyfriend when he takes credit for the flowers. There were no quintessential wild monologues. There was less cheekiness and silliness. Like the kiss my ass in Spanish, That that's pretty low. That's, yeah, I mean, it's not quite Amy pancakes. It's not Amy pancakes. <laughs> um, probably the most unusual thing about this movie was that the house was a Victorian, which aren't that common on Lifetime, aren't that common in Lifetime movies. <laughs> which, like, when you're talking about a stock by my doctor movie, if the house is the most unusual thing, that's odd. Because these movies are generally so all over the map in the best way that it's, it's, con- it's yeah, sad. Uh, And in general, I just felt like this was closer to like a Lifetime movie we would watch at like 2 p.m. playing any Sunday afternoon. Mm -hmm. And we would subject it to the 10 minute rule. And I'm not sure it would pass. As opposed to something we were eagerly excited about and waited for. And Stalked by My Doctor, the original four, we would rewatch. I think we've watched Stalked by My Doctor, the original four or five times now, I would Mm -hmm. still watch it again. And the others I would watch, I'm not saying we'd watch these once a month or even once a year, but I would happily revisit them. This one, you know, we were like playing on our phones and like looking up other things. It just, it didn't have... It didn't demand the same level of engagement as the others in the series. And it didn't pay off as much. So, Mm -hmm. you know... I'm happy to see Eric Roberts working always. And the production company is free to call us for ideas for script number six. We've already thrown a few out, but, (laughs) you know, let's amp it up. I want to go back to 11. You were at a seven or a six. Just go wilder. Yeah. When you think you've gone too wild... Add another monologue or mm-hmm. a dance scene or a sex scene that doesn't involve people <laughs> and you're on the right track. <laughs> All right. Do you have any other thoughts? Uh, no other thoughts on the film. Okay. But a bunch of good trivia. Okay. Let's, let's go with it. So Grace Patterson, who plays Alex. Okay. She... In speaking of ways that we maybe could have spiced this up a little bit, has spent time as both an Alan American's ice angel 
and a Dallas Stars ice girl. How dare you, writer, producer, people. How dare you? How dare you so she's not, not use that? So she's not only an accomplished dancer, but she's been an ice cheerleader. The Allen Americans are a minor league hockey team. Uh, and the Dallas Stars. I didn't know an ice team. cheerleader was a thing, but yeah. now I'm obsessed with it. <laughs> what? People do cheerleading on ice or they stand by and cheerlead for hockey players? I'm not sure. Okay. I, but I'm It assuming. is a distinction that matters deeply to me. Because I, if there is such a thing as cheerleading on ice, I am desperate to see it. <laughs> I'm not, that's not a goof. I just think it would be really impressive. Yeah. Most people can't hardly ice skate at all. And what are, I mean, are you doing pyramids? I mean, I imagine the Dallas Stars ice girls have a routine of some sort that involves them skating on the ice. But then again, I haven't been to an NHL game in like 15 years. Um, I mean, that's reason enough to go to a hockey game. Yeah. That's impressive. I would have loved for a cue to be taken from Patience Revenge and instead of a song and dance number, we get Dr. Back on Ice. (laughs) Yes! Oh my goodness! It would have been... Yeah, I again we got we got into throughout the episode missed opportunities. Mm-hmm. This feels in keeping to me. What a missed opportunity. Yeah. And I bet you could have easily done it because there cannot have been that many ice skating rinks that were operating full capacity during COVID. They probably would have loved and given you a good rate for you to film in their ice skating rink. Yeah. It could have been a romantic scene between her and him and maybe the mom busts it up or I don't know maybe the boyfriends <laughs> I don't I can't I can't even get into it I'm too excited about it I'm tripping all over myself but yeah. it should have been in the movie <laughs> how dare you so her IMDB page says that she's a, an accomplished dancer making her a double threat uh, interesting okay. that we bring up the ice cheerleader phenomenon mm-hmm. because Grace Patterson has been in a slew of cheerleader films okay. uh, including Who is Killing the Cheerleaders okay. Dying to Be a Cheerleader and The Pom Pom Murders Okay. so if there's a cheerleader and a murder there's a good chance that in the past couple of years she's, you'll see Grace Patterson I think she could be good at that uh, you won't probably see us covering too many cheerleader movies unless there's another another angle to it if they were showing like cheerleading like proper like you know tumbling and whatever like throws or whatever those things are called i would cover it because i love a good dance scene i love a good coordinated anything i'm not coordinated at all and i would totally watch a movie where they had like five minutes of really good cheerleading typically the movies don't have any cheerleading at all so right. that's the other reason yeah but sorry continue so the movie who is killing the cheerleaders uh was directed by the same director jeff hale okay um which also explains Wait. wasn't jeff Hare the writer of the last one? Oh, yeah uh no it's oh i'm sorry you're right. His name is Jeff Hare, not Jeff Hale. Oh, okay. Um, I, thought, and, I thought I thought there was yes. two. There were two guys. One was named Jeff. 
Hale and one was named Jeff Hare. And I was like, how on earth did they find two people who have the same name more or less? Yeah, no, he is the same person who directed Sleepwalker's Nightmare. Okay. As well. So he directed this one? Yes. Okay. So, um, and also as a result, uh, Adrian Epley, the woman who played the detective, she was in Who Is Killing the Cheerleaders as well. Okay. Um, uh, next up we have Maggie, the mom, mm-hmm. uh, played by, who is, uh, played by Carrie Schroeder. She had a vaguely familiar look about her. She's been in a bunch of things, but really the, what I want to highlight about her, um, is the fact that she is an accomplished mezzo-soprano. Okay. Uh, she's Australian. Okay. And according to her IMDb, she ran away from home at age 14 when she wasn't allowed to go into a Guns N' Roses concert. So I thought that was a lot of fun. Ran away from home permanently or just like I think, temporarily? I think temporarily, okay. yes. Yeah. I was going to say, to what extent did she like... How intense was the fandom? Yeah. She ran away from home permanently? Right, or... right. Okay. Um, next, we're going to go to Brandon Tyler Moore, who played Scott, the boyfriend. Uh, That's a name. And actually, in, in many of his credits, he's just Brandon Moore. Sure. Um, You're not to JSS level. No. I, I'm not insulting you as an actor, but to get to Jason Shane Scott levels, yes. we're going to need Jason Shane Scott level performances. So true. Um, the one thing I wanted to highlight about him is that he was in a TV miniseries called Brides, Grooms, and Emergency Rooms. <laughs> is it like a TLC show where they talk about th- bad things that happen on wedding nights and they show you like reenactments of like, here's what happened. And uh-huh. He played like the groom who got like something lodged in a place it shouldn't be lodged or whatever. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sure if that's necessarily the case, but... Uh, that's a great name. Yeah, it's, uh, you know... Uh, his episode is called In Sickness and in dot 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 more sickness. Okay. <laughs> Does it say what network it's on? Um, you can learn a lot about um, it, if it's like we or oxygen I feel like it's murders. If it's TLC I feel like it's medical oddities. Yeah. I would have to do some digging. I'm okay. actually not sure how. Maybe can... we'll Oh TLC. Okay, I'm guessing medical oddities. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm ge- yeah, that's, yeah, that feels right to me. I think yeah. the, the synopsis I gave mm-hmm. of what the show is about is probably what the show is about. Yes. Um, I thought you were going to say he was in a boy band because he does kind of have that boy band look about him. But grooms, brides, and hospital rooms or whatever <laughs> is, yeah. is a close second to a boy band. Um he, continuing our series of music videos, he is in a music video as a policeman. Is this like the Doogie Hauser policeman version? He's so young. Well, well it was this year uh, that he was in a, uh, a music video for a song by, and I'm going to sound 85 years old saying this, OMB Peasy featuring Rilo Rodriguez. And I believe the song is called Dope Boy. So. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I haven't heard it. <laughs> me neither. Um, we're going to move on to the final piece of trivia. Okay. Which just delighted and warmed the cockles of my heart. Okay. Um, pun in, not intended. Okay. Um, Try not to curse on this show, man. 
Nurse Christine McCoy. Okay, yes. It was played by somebody very special. Okay. Should I know? No, you shouldn't, because I didn't know what she looked like. Um, Okay. But... She, like, Barbara Kimlicka's writing partner or something? Even better. Okay, what is it? She is played by Eliza Roberts. Wait, Eric Roberts' daughter? No. Wife? Wife. Eliza Roberts and Eric Roberts... I've been married since 1992. I knew he'd been married a long time. And she is the nurse whom he kills. <laughs> Their marriage hit the rocks. And isn't that COVID. sweet? That's sweet. She actually has quite a long career as a casting director. Sure. Um, she did some acting as well. Um, but I, I thought that was a fun little tidbit. I wonder if they... I, I did not have issues with her acting. I'm not... This is not... An indictment of her acting. I'm wondering if, again, because this was filmed during COVID, I'm wondering if they said, hey, we have a small role. This is not normally what you do. Would you mind doing it because you're already in a pod with your husband? So it cuts down the risk for the crew. Who knows? I mean, she's been in a bunch of things dating back to... No, I know. I'm just saying it... You know, she had not been in any of the the other four. That is true. So I yes. wonder if mm-hmm. the decision to enter this one had something to do with yeah. that. Mm-hmm. That's nice. So we'll end trivia on that note. Okay. Just a little update for everyone listening. Last week, Matt gave me a two foot tall cardboard cutout of Bruce Boxleitner, <laughs> the person, not the horse. And he is currently watching over us, smiling. I think he's proud and happy with what we're doing. <laughs> but he's gazing on as we discuss this movie. And we'll continue to gaze on as we record our future episodes. <laughs> and I'll, I'll post a picture at some point of Of what I'm talking about. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, Bruce. Hi, Bruce. This Bruce is so much better mannered than my Bruce. (laughs) He just stands and smiles. Doesn't say anything. (laughs) Okay. If you want to get in touch with us, you can email us at husbandandwifetime at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at husbandwifetime or on Instagram at husbandandwifetime. If you like this episode, please rate and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks. Bye. Bye.